This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back, back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception of the Show. Uh, as we enter here into the playoffs, Matt Harmon. Um, oh my goodness, I, I just can't. I can't wrap my mind around the fact that the season, the regular season, the fantasy season is all wrapped up, man. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, I've said many times on the show I've really enjoyed this season. I think the football's been good. I think the sto- like there's been incredible storylines and and you know so many um, so many different narratives that come out of it. You know, like the Jaguars are in the playoffs, you know, Geno Smith is in the playoffs. Like all these kind of like crazy <laughs> I know these crazy results you know the the broncos were so disappointed there was all these unexpected results and by the like by the end of the season you're kind of like well no yeah I, of course like that's what happened but it's still like based on our preseason expectations it's so wild that like jacksonville is the team that it is you know that the seahawks are the team that they are and you know meanwhile like the heavy hitters the contenders lived up to the billing right for the most part at least in the afc you know buffalo was right. a, their second seed uh the the chiefs like they're the they're the first seed, you know. Uh, the Bengals were really good this year, so I, I think that it's been it's been a really fun football season. And now I, I think that these playoffs, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and make a prediction that the playoffs are gonna be pretty good this year. Because at least in the AFC, man, there's so many. You know, and, and the NFC gets dogged too. But I'm at least fascinated to see what some of these teams look like as playoff teams. You know, the the rando giant squad, um, like seeing if Seattle can mount anything against San Francisco. So for sure. I think it's gonna be a good playoff season for sure. I mean, even Minnesota, it's like, you know, everyone thinks that they're an absolute mirage, but then at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the, these guys go out there and win a bunch of games. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, they've got some interesting people. Justin Jefferson's the best, you know, arguably the best receiver in the game. Sign me up for that game. I'm, I'm really intrigued uh, by these playoff matchups, man. No doubt about it. But, um, but you know what? At the end of the year, uh, I think it's always fair anyways uh, to kind of, you know, take an accounting. Uh, what we got right, what we got wrong. Uh, And look, we're in the prediction business, you and I, Matt. And uh, certainly we are not shy uh, about making some calls um, in the early part of the season, in the preseason, really. Uh, So again, I just, I thought it'd be fun to kind of go back and look at what we were expecting in the preseason and what we got 
uh, at the end. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? And um, and you know what? Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll kick us off because I think we, you and I have talked about this too. You know, you and I both got this right. We both kind of thought that the Broncos could absolutely suck. And you know what? They did. I projected them for about six wins. They got to five. So I'll, I'll tell you what, that's not bad uh, for both you and I. Yeah, I was extremely skeptical about the narrative that, oh, this is such a you know, I was I was skeptical about the Russell Wilson part of it, you know, that, that he yeah. was that he was the player that people were talking about, that he was the player that, you know, was was just going to come in and be an elite quarterback somewhere else. I think that there was a lot of um, and it, that's this has definitely been revealed to be the case that there was a lot more Pete Carroll. You know, there was a higher percentage of Pete Carroll in that successful cocktail in Seattle than there was Russell Wilson. I was skeptical of that. But the thing I was most skeptical of was that this was some great ecosystem that he was about to be dropped into. Not because, and I mean, Nathaniel Hackett obviously ended up being a huge problem, not just because of that, but also because <laughs> of the wide receivers, right. you know, reception perception showed that neither of these, and like, this is, this is right. And I'm going to talk about a lot about RP stuff here on the, on the show. Obviously I've mostly like wide receiver stuff that I'm going to get into. You know, it's reception perception, the show that I should talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like the, the reason that I do reception perception is to com- like, theoretically would be to highlight guys who are prisoners of bad quarterback play, right? Like they're, you know, the guys who are riding down QB purgatory highway, right? Uh, For Jerry Judy and, and, and Cortland Sutton, they were clearly on that, on that highway, right? The quarterback purgatory highway with like Teddy Bridgewater is the best quarterback either these guys had played with, you know? So, um, but at the same time, the RP data clearly revealed like, these guys were good players, but were they superstars that were just held back by quarterback play? No. Like, I mean, especially a guy like Cortland Sutton was definitely not there. You know, Judy was a bit more of like a mercurial player because his rookie season reception perception was very good. We talked about this a lot. Like he hits that sort of 75% success rate versus man barometer that we look for in his first season as a guy that would be super promising his second season, there was the injury, all that stuff. Um, now, Judy actually ended up having a pretty good season by the end of the year. He was wide receiver 20 in fantasy, which I think is surprising to people because he had such a strange like up and down. Pa- but I kind of think that's the player Jerry Judy is. Meanwhile, Cortland Sutton, um, he was wide receiver. Oh, man. I mean, just just fell off the Cortland face Sutton. of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, man. Fell off the face of the earth. Did Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, he was well behind. Um, he, I mean, where, where, where even did he finish in the, uh, in the end of season ranks did Cortland Sutton? I'm, I'm trying to, why does your 42, 42 and half PPR? I mean, my God. Yeah. And, um, if you're just going to week 17, you know, I kind of, I kind of don't like looking at week 18 stats anyways, Fair. but yeah, in full point PPR, Cortland Sutton finished as the wide receiver 45. That is rough. <laughs> it's especially rough considering you think about how he started the season. He was gangbusters early on double digit, you know, production each and every week, I think for the first three weeks. And then, uh, I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> it was a little bit of injury, a little bit of co- competition for targets. Uh, the, certainly the nadir of Russell Wilson's season um, as the weeks were wearing on too. So that was real bad, but, uh, but man, he was absolutely nowhere to be found uh, later on in the season. And yeah, so yeah, he had, uh, he opened up the season with uh, five consecutive double digit PPR days and then just went into the tank, man, bunch of zeros on the board. And yeah, just, he, he would, it was awfully tough 
a lot of single digit performances as well. But yeah, once Judy, I thought kind of established himself as like Russell's go to Sutton absolutely took a huge backseat. And, you know, the narrative out of Broncos camp from like any insider was, oh, yeah, Russ and Sutton, Russ and Sutton, like that's the connection. And again, it started that way. But I always make this, this point. That's great when like one wide receiver is producing, but the offense stinks while this wide receiver is producing this way. And this offense was, you know, it was terrible to start the year, despite Sutton having, you know, like seven for 72, 122 yards, 97 yards, 52 and a touch in week four. The offense was not good. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that matters a lot when you look at these guys and my it will I will always come back to this. But these guys that don't separate and are like, oh, well, he doesn't separate. He's a 50 50 ball receiver it's really tough to run an offense through a player like that because it's going to be so, so inefficient. And I think we saw that with the Denver right. Broncos this year. So I, I do feel you know, tough, tough to start on off on like a, yeah, we were right about, about being negative about something, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I could not, I, I definitely think we were outliers in not just the fantasy industry, but like the NFL industry in a whole being like, yeah, I don't know about this whole Broncos thing. And it ended up honestly being worse than I think either of us could have imagined. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, my, 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 first of all, my Twitter mentions were on a blaze on fire. When I said that, I think that the Broncos could win six games. Everyone's like, how do you get paid to watch football? It's like, well, this is how pal, this is what we do. All right. So anyway, right here, (laughs) this right here, uh, cause I can actually analyze things, but no, uh, we, we, we nailed that one. Um, but, uh, obviously some calls were, were, uh, less than ideal. You know, I'll give you one that I, it was a little mi- bit of a mixed bag for me. Okay. So I, I, I was coming out hot saying CD lamb's going to be a top five fantasy wide receiver uh, this year. Just missed the cuff was uh, top six after week 17 in full point PPR. Okay. So that was fine. I think that's fine. Unfortunately, I also said he was going to be better than Devonte and Tyreek in fantasy football, and uh, whoops, whiffed on that one. I was uh, very surprised, and I think a lot of folks were very surprised by how well Tyreek um, played in this system with this quarterback. Uh, was going, I would say, probably outside the top fifteen picks, around around pick twenty. Uh, the, uh, Folks thought that Mahomes was a big factor in his production. And lo and behold, Tyreek actually had a career, literally a career year, set a a career high uh, in receiving yards this year in Miami. So uh, obviously a great player is Tyreek. But um, and I thought the age might catch up a little bit and the offense might catch up a little bit with Devontae Adams. But man, just so good. And uh, just put on another dominant performance here in 2022. You know, I think one thing that just was abundantly true this year with wide receivers in general was if you just bet on talent for the most part you probably bet you probably won your bets right like you're right with with Tyree Kill it's like okay and like if you just used reception perception data Tyree Kill gets open at a level that's almost unmatched in terms of his ability to beat man press and zone coverage AJ Brown there were all the questions about, oh, well, how is he going to fit? And, I mean, I'm still beating myself up about this, like about, you know, how much is Philadelphia going to pass? But we know he's been top three in success rate versus man and press coverage each of the last two seasons, twenty obviously 2021 and 2020. 2022 yeah. charting not out just yet. So 
we knew that the talent was there for those guys. And obviously for Devontae Adams, he's been, you know, 99th percentile success rate versus man for like four straight years. You know, he's been unbelievable. Right. If you just bet on talent with those guys even further down, we'll talk about some other players later. But like if you just bet on talent at wide receiver this year, if you just bet on like the overall reception mm-hmm. perception data and shut out like the projection models or the oh the, the, this team's pass rate or expected pass rate or this right. team's quarterback for something like you honestly, if you bet on truly great elite talent you you won most of your bets and that was certainly the case with both Devonte and Tyreek you know I would say that uh you applied that idea that model to Amon Ra St. Brown and, and you know me I, I was extremely high on Amon Ra last year uh but I even coming into 2022 I was not even as high on him as you were uh he was certainly one of your players that uh, you absolutely nailed the eval Yo, do you hear? Uh, do you hear Chris Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football say he's uh, this Amon Ross St. Brown guy? Here's a guy. Here's a guy. No, but he said uh, he's kind of uh, Cooper Cupish. Did you hear him, hear him say that? <laughs> I, did. I did. That was awesome, man. <laughs> I said I was like, hey, I've been Whoa. making that comp since before uh, before he was even drafted. Amon Ross yeah. St. Brown. So we've I officially gone Main Street with the Bud Light Cooper Cup. No longer is Amon Ross St. Brown Bud Light Cooper right. Cup. That was the old comp because it's too no disrespect to Bud Light and you know the real hardworking Americans who drink Bud Light. But uh, just just <laughs> he's he is just Cooper Cup ish. He's in that axis of player right now. Is Amon Ross St. Right. Brown. So the comp sure. has officially gone mainstream. Uh, it was great to it. see uh, Chris Collinsworth say that. But yeah, I mean St. Brown was definitely a. There were so, and again, it seems crazy to say this now because Amon Ross St. Brown was so, you know, unbelievable this year. What he he ended up being, again, just full season numbers, uh, was wide receiver seven in fantasy, 106 catches, uh, right. 1,100 yards, whatever. He was awesome. Um, but, like, go back to the offseason debates about, like, he only produced when everybody else was hurt and blah, blah, blah. There was so much of that noise. But yeah, right. when you just looked at his right. reception perception data and the ability to beat zone coverage and the routes that he was most successful on, that that stuff was – the talent was all absolutely there. And um, targets it's, targets are still earned. I mean, I know that it's not always applicable, but uh, for the most part, like the guys are getting targets because they're good at football. Amon Ross St. Brown, good at football. That was definitely a big W uh, this year. Yeah, no doubt. All right, but uh, but again, Matt, you didn't you didn't hit everything. Uh, give me no. a, a guy that you kind of whiffed on. Oh, I mean, obviously, got to talk about uh, Allen Robinson. You know, oh, I, I think look, it was that one hurt me. That one hurt, man. And you know, I could definitely sit here and say that um, the ecosystem was not what I expected. You know, um, the, you know the, the er- absolute erosion of the offensive line. Stafford eventually getting um, crushed every single week, but. It was pretty clear from the jump that was just a bad, just a bad signing by the team. Um, you know, it was even if Robinson, and I still think Robinson like isn't toast. I don't think he's done. I think he can still play. I don't think he's washed, but he was not the player that that team needed uh, him to be. Although weirdly, like, you know, never even got really in the role that they talked about him being in or anything like that. So, um, but either way, no matter what, just a big miss for sure. Like there were more problems than just, um, than just than just Robinson's play, but either way, pretty big whiff from this year for sure. Uh, ten games played for Allen Robinson, fifty-two targets oh my God, in those yeah. ten games. I don't know how uh, that's possible, but thirty-three receptions, 
339 yards, three touchdowns, though, for Allen Robinson. By the way, I, I, I always look at some of these like tar- touchdown totals now, um, and I see three touchdowns on 52 targets. I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. And then I always think about old Deontay Johnson just wrapped up 2022. No touchdowns. touchdowns. He had 150 targets. How do you do that? It's, it's almost impossible. Did you see, did you see, uh, uh, yesterday, even in that game against the Browns, like he would get wide ass open on like a slant route in the end zone, completely make the corner whiff and like press man coverage, get wide ass open. And then Kenny Pickett throw the ball and it got batted down at the line. And I think it happened at least twice. And like Deontay clearly was so frustrated, just being like, "I'm just trying to get one, you know, just, <laughs> just, just give me one, just one." And they were obviously like designing it up for him and just oh, couldn't even God. get the one. Can't and he couldn't can't even do the like the, they didn't they didn't miss the, they didn't make the playoffs either because like he could have at least like maybe scored a playoff touchdown, you know, even if it wouldn't go down Jeez. in the regular season. But nope. He ends 2022 with no touchdowns. Um, I don't care. I don't care what anyone says, man. I'm going right back to the well in 2023 with with Deontay Johnson. I mean, because you're going to get him at such a steep discount. boy. (laughs) Like, I I think Kenny, I think Pickens is actually going to get drafted higher than Deontay Johnson. And uh, and for me, man, I will I'll sign up for that. I'll sign up for the Deontay Johnson discount. There's going to be some serious like, you know, positive regression AKA he's due. I mean, this, he's man, due, baby. Is, this man is as so long due. as they change, as long as they change uh, offensive coordinators, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. Uh, they've, they've got to do that. We're taping here Monday at four 30 PM Pacific. There's been no news right. out of Pittsburgh in terms of coaching staff changes, but I think that they've got to, I think they've yeah. I've, I've talked about it for, for, you know, forever on the show that it's the worst designed offense in the NFL. And I think they've got to make some changes there. And as long as they do, I think I'd be interested in all of these Steelers guys. Definitely Johnson. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception, Perception, The Show. We're recapping some of our best and uh, <laughs> some of our worst calls going into 2022. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, well, I'll tell you what, we wouldn't be mad at you if you liked and subscribed. It's funny you bring up George Pickens. He reminds me of uh, a little bit, a better version of the player that I'd like to talk about as a hit this year. Um, okay. I said so many times in the offseason, 
I, I'm a Gabe Davis centrist, and I think that was the right take. I think that was the complete okay. right take to be a Gabe Davis centrist. You know, Davis ends up finishing the year, um, and obviously we, we know he didn't play as many games as everybody else because, you know, the Buffalo literally had a game canceled. Uh, 14 right. uh, games for Gabe Davis. He was wide receiver 35. But when you really look under the hood of Gabe Davis's season this year, you know, he had – and I don't ever like to do that. Well, if you take away this one play or this one game or whatever, um, right. you know, then his season, but you know, Davis had the six catches, 171 yards and two touchdowns, including a 98 yard touchdown against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. Um, and that was really like in terms of a blow up performance. Cause That's you know, it. that was always a talk with Davis was like, well, if he's, yeah. you know, the, the weeks, the weeks he might not always be consistent, but the weeks he pops, he's going to really pop. It's like, not really. That was his one 100 yard game. He had 93 yards and a touchdown was his other big game against the Vikings. He had, you know, an 88 yard game and a touchdown, but those are his only three games over 80 yards all year yeah. were those three games. So, um, and, and look, I don't, I, I think that, RP data. This is why I said I was a Gabe Davis centrist, you know, because the RP data didn't show like Gabe Davis sucked or he was a, a you know sub NF like an XFL player or something like that. But it showed he <laughs> right. was a limited player that could win deep, that could win on like post route, corner routes, nine routes, but was not a full field separator. And it's like, why didn't he get those targets? Because he doesn't get open. Like in, in the consistent areas of the field, he doesn't get open. He's not that type of separator. He's not a legit number two receiver. I think he's like more of a three, a guy that could rip you vertically, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, he, he these again, it's always tough with these guys who don't separate, getting them to be consistent, getting them to you know see a ton of targets, and like everything, it, the playing time was always there with Gabe Davis, like the routes per drop back. He, he led the team in routes for, and snaps for most of the season. So yeah. And, and, but it was a problem area for Buffalo all year. Like the fact that they had just Stefan Diggs and nobody else out there, Gabe Davis, like being out there was kind of a problem. So for fantasy, like being a centrist on Gabe Davis, I think was the right take uh, all along. Yeah, Gabe Davis played about 90% of the snaps uh, all year long. You know, some some games he played 98, 99% or whatever it was. Average 6.2 targets on the season, just 3.2 receptions and 55 yards uh, per game and seven total touchdowns, although that probably should be eight because Josh Allen threw an absolute dime there uh, in week 18 that he just flat out dropped. By the way, speaking of that the was a huge problem for Davis all year was dropping was dropping. Yeah. Oh, back. my God. Yes. hundred percent. He's 100%. got bad hands. Bad hands. Uh, three. He had three catches on 10 targets there in week 18. He and Deontay Johnson were just <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in week 18 with these guys? They can't catch the ball. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, it, in overall on the season, Matt, 55.7, uh, excuse me, a 51% catch rate uh, for Gabe Davis. I, I, it's just, I know part of it is the routes that he runs. Um, I just wonder maybe Buffalo would be better served uh, to kind of feed him a couple of more layup throws than everything so far downfield. I don't know. Uh, 51% catch rate to me is not, uh, that's, that's not functional. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't be a number two wide receiver on that team and have a 51% catch rate. That's so inefficient. That's, that's not good. 
Well, it would be good if he got open on some of those layup routes. That would that would be helpful in terms of getting the targets on the layup routes. Yeah. That would that would be helpful. <laughs> that would be good. Um, I was projecting Michael Pittman to be a top ten wide receiver yeah, in fantasy. Oof. Same. Oh boy. Um, you know, actually ended up finishing as a wide receiver twenty. So it's not like he absolutely tanked you but um but i tell you what man i I was anticipating a lot more and uh the blow-up games they just there just weren't any you know it's like when when did when did michael Pittman really help you (laughs) in fantasy it was it was always a question week to week of just please don't hurt my team (laughs) you know what i'm saying um that's what it was with michael Pittman. but ended up finishing as the wide receiver 20 that uh that whole, again, I, I think a lot of folks missed on this one uh, because we were not anticipating such a significant drop-off from the offensive production, especially from the offensive line. Uh, I yeah. was just stunned, and I think most everybody was stunned by how bad the O-line played this year. Yeah, Pittman ended up catching 96 balls for 895 yards. God, Jesus. I mean, not, and, and and it's so funny because yeah, I have wow. I have this in my non wide receiver um, misses as well uh, because mm-hmm. for me I don't think like miss I don't think the miss was on Pittman like I think Pittman's a really good player I think Pittman showed himself to be I mean catch you don't catch ninety six balls without being like a pretty good player you know what I mean uh, and yeah. getting one hundred and thirty six targets without being a pretty good player but. Um, yeah, and I guess that we'll have a conversation about like where's his ceiling, how good is he? I think he's at least like a fringe number one receiver. Uh, and the the miss though was just yeah, thinking the offensive line was gonna just stay static, and also thinking that Matt Ryan wasn't toast, you know, because even if how many times did you see the stat in the offseason about Matt Ryan's accuracy to the short and intermediate area of the field versus Carson Wentz's accuracy, like on target ball rate or stuff like that. And like Nito, but that stuff never came to materialize in the in the real games. You know, Ryan was yeah. a sitting duck back there. He couldn't push the ball down the field at all. At different points this year, Pittman had like one catch on on a twenty on twenty plus yard targets. So um, there was just nothing going on downfield at all. Like, could we get somebody to be just meet Pittman in the middle? Like Carson Wentz, it was all <laughs> jump balls downfield. And then this year it was right. all like crossing routes and short stuff. I mean, can we get somebody to just meet in the middle? But yeah, I mean, the Colts are, they've turned into one of the most rotten situations in the entire NFL. Uh, so that was, that was really part of the big miss there. That's crazy that if you think about what the Colts reputation was <clears throat> going into 2022 versus what it's going to be going into 2023, they went from like this, like, really well-respected kind of, you know, franchise that uh, built a, a bedrock of a, an offensive line, made solid draft picks with Michael Pittman. Um, and they were just it's seemingly now, this is a storyline now for the past five years, but they're just a quarterback away. They're just a quarterback away. Uh, and then they go from like this, like just super solid franchise to now just being an yeah. absolute joke and an embarrassment because they fire their coaching staff and then they bring in Jeff Saturday. All the goodwill that they had built up just evaporated overnight. Uh, you know, a couple of rookies that I completely whiffed on that I was really excited about was Jalen Tolbert, one, Tyler Beatty, oh, two. Tyler dude, Beatty's probably Jaylen the worst Tolbert. because. Yeah, what happened with Tolbert? I have no. <laughs> what happened with Tolbert? I, <laughs> I thought had, he was going to be the. I completely I thought he was going to be like a, a, a number two, three guy. Uh, in that offense, and ultimately he got outplayed significantly, I guess, by uh, by Noah Brown to the point now where it's like, what? Where does Jalen Tolbert even fit on this team moving forward? I don't know. 
great. I mean, that one was, that's got to be the biggest miss I think of, of the off season. And look, there are definitely times where, you know, on certain best ball sites, like underdog, he got to be like a ninth round pick or something like that. That oh, was God, I was, really, I don't, I don't think, Ooh. yeah, dude, I don't think, I don't think either of us were ever on board with that. Um, no. but we liked him as like a sleeper, right. You know, we liked, mm-hmm. I liked his prospect profile and reception perception. And this guy barely made a blip on a team that has needed wide receiver help all year. They signed T Y Hilton off the street, bro. <laughs> That's right. T Y Hilton's out here making plays playing ahead of Jalen Talbert, who apparently doesn't exist. I don't know. Doesn't exist. Yeah. That, that's, I don't know what happened. that's the, that's the most insane miss. I think of the year was like being, and look, I mean, it's whatever you, you spent your last round pick on Jalen Tolbert. You cut him. Who cares? Like, yeah, uh, who cares? again, I right. don't think either one of us were advocating drafting Jalen Tolbert as high as he was going on some best ball sites, but I did like him as a late round draft pick in fantasy. And I did like him as a, as a prospect and, and yeah, just nothing out of Jalen Tolbert. He, uh, I think he got into like three or four games or whatever it was. Oh, actually, I'm looking at his game log now. He actually did play a, a number of games, but he only had three targets on the season. So wow, he was, is he playing like a key special teams role or something there? No, nah, he actually played on offense. Like he played one snap on offense in week seven. He played three offensive snaps in week six, but he, he had some chunky, you know, days. He had a, a 36% uh, offensive snap share in week three, 25%. Uh, in week eight and, uh, you know, 18% in week 11 and 13. I don't know. I mean, I guess he was out there, but obviously uh, not utilized at all. Three targets on the season for Jalen wow. Tolbert. I really honestly thought he only played three games, but then now I'm looking at his, at his game log. He played, you know, what is this? Uh, eight games or whatever it was. Shockingly. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Coe and Matt Harmon. James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception, the show. We're recapping some of our best and uh, <laughs> some of our worst calls going into 2022. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, well, I'll tell you what, we wouldn't be mad at you if you liked and subscribed. So in terms of uh, a couple, of, a few uh, a few sleepers that I had uh, penciled in early that I thought were okay and... Um, and look promising, you know. I don't know. I don't know if Alec Pierce. Look, he had a couple of games where you're like, all right, I can see the talent, but uh, I'm really excited about what he can do next year. Um, I highlighted Romeo Dubs, uh, who I think had a pretty good season as well when he was available. And the big one for me, Raheem Mostert. I've just been such a Raheem yeah. Mostert believer for for so long, um, and ultimately he ended up being a really really good football player for Miami and I thought at times helped carry this offense uh, when they were sputtering for yards and Mostert's been been really really good and by the way those big chunk runs and those big chunk plays that's like littered throughout his entire career his only problem is he can't stay healthy and guess what (laughs) he got hurt again (laughs) he's got a hurt hand going into the playoffs as well so no um, but I, I felt really good about those calls and uh, I thought at various points in this season, uh, I thought those guys had come through for fantasy managers as well. So anyways, um, all right. Uh, you talked about Jacoby. We, we talked about a bunch of these wide receivers, but what about uh, what about some misses here? Yeah, the second year wide receivers, uh, I could not have been more excited about. Um, like, I think yeah, I was like, you got to leave your draft with 
two of these, at least two of these second year wide receivers, you know, and I obviously talked about Amon Ross St. Brown earlier, but um, Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore, I was really excited about those guys. And, you know, they just, they just never did anything. I mean, really from like a, because, and, and not really not their own, not, I don't think it was Bateman's fault. Bateman got hurt. You know, I mean, that was obviously, yeah. I think, he, I think he was going to have a good season. He was having a good season until he started having those injury problems. And then eventually he gets wiped out for the year. But just from like a pure draft standpoint, was so excited about Bateman. That one didn't work out um, because of the injury and Elijah Moore, man. I mean, good Lord. Like he happened. eventually, yeah, he eventually got back. Well, we know what happened is he got pissed <laughs> off at the team. And then, um, you know, then obviously yeah. they're dealing with some of the stone worst quarterback play in the entire NFL whether even Joe Flacco, like he was worse than Zach Wilson in EPA per drop back this year. You know, he, mm. he was even worse than Wilson and Wilson was terrible. Um, so we know those were all, all issues, but obviously Elijah Moore did. And this is stuff you can't project in the off season, but regardless, like he did a lot to sink his own season as well. Like with the, you know, throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of the year when the team is yeah. winning and all this stuff and you know, whatever. So, you know, that one really went astray and it's crazy too, because, the two guy and it's the one guy that I'm so annoyed. Like this is, and this is a me miss. This is not a reception perception miss because you know what? If you had just said, look at their RP numbers and you look at Devonte Smith's 73.7% success rate versus man coverage, 78% success rate versus press and 83% success rate versus zone coverage. Oh, you're drafting that guy all day, right? Devonte <laughs> Smith, you're drafting that guy. And I, I buried Devonte Smith in every single ranking that I did because I was skeptical about the Eagles offense. And because I was skeptical about how much they throw, what an idiot, bro. I mean, the guy was unbelievable <laughs> this year. So he was awesome. I'm, he was awesome. He was like the second year receiver to own or these, the second year receiver to draft this year. Absolutely. And my my own data is sitting here screaming at me that yeah he's the guy he's the guy he's the guy <laughs> pay attention to reception perception you dummy you chart this data out stupid and i didn't so draft funny. him in a single league this year and i feel like a moron because of it um by the way it's interesting that you brought up uh you know guys like uh, tyler lockett christian kirk and brendan Ayuk. you know in most leagues elijah moore was actually being drafted ahead of all three of all those of dudes them. Yep. Yep. And I rank, I ranked him ahead of every single one of them too. Oh no. So yeah, no, it's uh that's interesting. Uh, just to kind of see how that, uh, that season had played out. And again, you, you know, it's, I think, I think one of the lessons that you got to take away from 2022 is just, you got to follow your own data, like block out the noise because that's what your data does is block out the noise. I know. And, no, yeah. and then, I, and then I, like you said, it's screaming to you, you know, like, listen to me here, pal. So maybe that's what we got to do here. Uh, Dude, I'm, follow- I'm serious. I, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't agree more with you. And like, I mean, a perfect example would have been Devonte Smith. A perfect example would have been like all these guys we're talking about here, because even if, um, you know, even, even if uh, just ranking based on opportunity and situations can be just so fraught and, you know, like, of course you, you have to put these guys at like, even Elijah Moore, like you trust the talent there for sure. But there were yep. a lot of questions, right? There were a lot of questions about that situation. Um, so, I, but it was just like, you gotta, you go with consensus at certain points when you're ranking in fantasy, it's like, well, yeah, it can't be too far off consensus with Elijah Moore. Cause I like the player so much, but yeah, I mean, my God, true. yeah, it was just, 
pretty rotten situation, and then you know, that was easy to see. <laughs> um, uh, the the running backs that that I thought I, I did pretty well on this year, Saquon Barkley. I was with a lot of folks, I think, so this is nothing new. But uh, but I thought Saquon Barkley was going to have a really nice bounce back season. Obviously, he has. Um, I was extremely high on Rashad White, and I think throughout the season he's shown that he's got uh, tremendous talent. Uh, and has an ability to, to really make an impact if Tampa Bay moves on uh, from Leonard Fournette. And then the one player, man, that I was just insanely high on, uh, and I look like an absolute freaking genius for about a month, was Brees Hall. Yeah. And then the poor guy got injured, man. But uh, I was crazy, crazy, crazy high on Brees Hall. I was out there literally saying, like, I will take this dude with a top 25 pick. Um and I was just so crazy high on him. And golly, he just looked awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, so unfortunate that he got hurt. So I, I'll give myself an incomplete grade uh, on my Brees Hall take there. Because for a bit, I looked pretty good. Uh, and then the guy got injured. So that's unfortunate. But uh, all right. So how about for yourself here, man? Like, uh, talk to me about DJ Moore. What do we get right and what do we get wrong there with DJ Moore? I put him, I put the DJ Moore and Baker Mayfield fit as a miss this year because, um, you know, I, I'm sitting here saying bet on the talent, just bet on talent at wide receiver. I guarantee there are people screaming into their earphones or whatever, be like, hello, DJ Moore. What a, you know, that season you bet on the talent with DJ Moore and it didn't work out. And I mean, I totally get it. DJ Moore finishes wide receiver 21 uh, on the yeah. season, 63 catches, seven touchdowns. Though, if I told you he was going to catch seven touchdowns, I bet you would have drafted him like as a top eight receiver, some crazy stuff like that. Cause that was the one question about him. But um, you know, really, I think obviously what it ha- the, the start to this year couldn't have been worse for DJ Moore just in the first, uh, the first five games of the season alone. And we know those were the Matt rule games, 43 yards, right. 43 yards and a touchdown, two yards against the new Orleans Saints. Ugh. two, one, two, 50 yards on 11 targets against the Arizona Cardinals, 59 yards on eight targets against the San Francisco 49ers comes out the next week against the Rams, seven yards on seven targets. That's a yard per target. Uh, if you're at home. <laughs> But then, you know, things kind of started to turn around for DJ when uh, PJ Walker was in there. He was really good when Sam Darnold was in there. So I think like one thing I really want to focus on, I almost I want to come up with an idea to have like, I don't know, team up with I, I want to team up with like a quarterback. I have like this idea, James, I haven't told you about, but I want to team up with like somebody that does quarterback stuff and try to like discern match using RP data and like not even match up, just like fit of players, you know, and, and like. Okay, I think that Baker Mayfield at this point has shown that there are certain throws that he's just that he's not good at, that he's not going to be able to make. And I think that DJ Moore did most of his best stuff as like an over the middle receiver. He's a great receiver mm-hmm. going over the middle. Baker doesn't throw over the middle because he can't see over the offensive line. He has no timing and anticipation. Um, right. And there, that was a bad fit. Those were some of DJ's worst games. But he ended up being a pretty productive player. And I think obviously the talent is still there. So I think. The, but I guarantee you, dude, there are a tons of things from me in the offseason saying, like, this is the best quarterback that DJ Moore has ever played with. Baker has shown to be an average starting quarterback at best. Um, wrong and wrong on both counts there. And most importantly, <laughs> like, even if um, right. even if Baker is like a – again, I think he is – I don't think he's a starting quarterback, but I think he's like a fine backup quarterback, even if he's not like absolutely – you know, dog shit or something like that. I think he is just not a good fit with like the fit with wide receiver and quarterbacks really matter. It was not a good fit with Moore and Baker um, because Moore's just been better with literally everybody else he's played with. 
So can I can I give this though the from weeks twelve to week seventeen? Okay, there's a five game stretch there from weeks twelve to seventeen. He averaged seventeen point six eight fantasy points per game. Now, obviously, he had one game where he literally had just six yards, uh, and I think it came on a rush. He had zero it, it catches. Was, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> um, which was just insane. So so look, that week fourteen was an absolute you know, dumpster fire. But I would say though, he gave you three 20 point games out of the last five from weeks 12 through 17. And again, he tanked in week 18, but who cares? No one plays in week 18. So no one cares, but 17.68 fantasy points per game uh, in that five game stretch. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Two things. Again, I'm, I'm taking the L on DJ Moore because I did bump him up the ranks based on, mostly the fact that I think the quarterback play was going to be improved. And the thesis of that bumping him up was wrong because the quarterback play, the guy that I was projecting was not good, was not, was not a good player in Carolina was yeah. not a good fit with DJ Moore. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I do think like, that's why he was a guy that I would tell people like, you can't drop DJ Moore. He's too good to drop. He's too, he's just too talented and like, it'll get figured out. And, you know, Sam Darnold gets in there and he has this great stretch. Like week 12 is when Sam Darnold got into the mix, you know I mean? And, and again, there's something to that. Right. And I I don't know what it is, but for all of Sam Darnold's flaws, like he has had a pretty good on-field dynamic with DJ Moore. Um, Like there are some quarterbacks and Baker's just not one of these guys that, when they get in there, they're going to feed the number one receiver because it's the best receiver on the team. And I'm just going to, I'm going to look for this guy eight to 10 times a game, period. Every single week I'm doing, I'm looking for this guy um, because he's the best, he's the best receiver on the team. Baker has never been that guy. Like Baker's almost better in LA when there's no premier threat to, to feed. Like I just, okay, I'm looking <laughs> for matchups um, and yeah. stuff like that. I, I don't know. They're just, course every quarterback is different and and i think this dynamic was one that i really got wrong uh but yeah no i think that dj Moore. I'm, i mean still taking the l on dj Moore season because he was quite literally the worst fantasy pick you could have made in the first six weeks of the season like he did he did nothing for you in the first six <laughs> did weeks, absolutely so. nothing um you know what you're right and uh everything that you just said there about baker uh think about think about the teeth na- the teeth gnashing that was happening in Cleveland when he couldn't get Odell the ball. Exactly. Right? So, that's why that's why it matters a lot. Cause we've seen this before. Right, right, right. So, and you're right in LA, he doesn't have a guy. Um, it's almost, he, he actually almost benefits actually really, I don't want to say benefits, but you know what I'm saying? Like having no Cooper cup, he doesn't have a guy that he's got to get the ball to. Um, and he's just spreading it around. And I think he's just kind of sort of playing free and he just doesn't care what the hell's happening here at this point, you know, but uh, I thought he had, he had a pretty, um, I don't know, at least interesting close to 2022 did Baker Mayfield anyway. So uh, any other calls good or bad that you wanted to get out there? I feel like we covered yeah, a lot go- of ground. We did. I'll go with one more. I think that okay. for right now, and it's one, it's one year. I think reception perception really nailed this rookie class um, because mm. when you look back at the dudes and, and again, like the overall quality of the class was something that was very apparent um, looking through reception perception data like these, it, it was clear that this was going to be a really good receiver class. We've absolutely gotten a really good receiver class, but um, you know, Chris Olave, number one in success rate versus man, number one in success rate 
uh, versus press. It was obvious he was a superstar player coming to the NFL and like any of the narratives about him going back to school and not being, you know, not being an early declare or is he really a number one receiver? Well, the dude went out and had a thousand yards without even breaking a sweat this year. He was incredible in a bad environment. Um, You look at Garrett Wilson was number one or number two in success rate versus zone. He was awesome against man and press. He was had an almost full green route tree did Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's been a superstar receiver in the NFL. Um, Drake London, 73% success rate versus man, 86.7% success rate versus zone. Um, Destroy the narratives that he can't get open. So like the top of the rookie, obviously we didn't see Jamison Williams and even like Jahan Dotson RP was really high on 87% success rate first zone. Awesome hands. He's been really good this year. Um, you know, Christian Watson being kind of an up and down Martavis Bryant type player. I think that was a pretty big win. Um, you know, Traylon Burks being a guy that was going to take a little bit of time. That's not fully there right. yet. I think that was a pretty big win for RP. Now what we got to see that going forward is like the next tier of players. I think the top tier of the class RP, like pretty much a hundred percent success rate there, but what about guys like Sky Moore? What about guys um, like Alec <clears throat> Pierce, like you said? Even George Pickens. I think Pickens is going to be the most polarizing player, almost in, like I mentioned the Gabe Davis thing earlier. He could be like the Gabe Davis of this next year, like the most polarizing player to debate uh, on on fantasy Twitter and all that. Like all these you know dorks who don't go outside will be spending plenty of time tweeting back and forth about Gabe <laughs> Davis. Or actually, George Pickens all offseason. Um, you know what's funny, so though, yeah, Matt? You know what's funny? Yeah. I, I actually think there's going to be a pretty nice consensus on Pickens. And I think the consensus, at least in my opinion, is that he will be uh, um, overvalued. I don't think I don't think you're going to get a lot of folks like yourself or myself to sit there and say, oh, he's being overvalued. I, I actually think we might be on an island a little bit. Uh, when the offseason comes around, because I think the consensus will be uh, very favorable towards Pickens going to 2023. There have definitely been, and I've just seen it in my mentions the last few weeks, and you know, people ask me even like, hey, does, so the rookie report, you know, pretty positive for George Pickens, but if you look at like some stats, you know, uh, yards per route run and targets per route run, like he doesn't really pop up as much. Like, is that the situation? Is that, but, and like I dove into it and, the more data I get on Pickens, you know, from the back half of the year, not when the rookie reported, the worse his his RP profile is starting to look. Uh, so, and I think he's def. I agree with you that he will absolutely be. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think he's kind of almost like a little bit overrated on highlight bias alone right now. And I definitely think that yep. could see him up the ranks. But I think there are enough people out there. Um, asking you know legitimate questions about some of the other ancillary metrics with him that there will be maybe i think a consensus will be all in on george pickens um especially with the highlight bias especially if they make a change at offense coordinator so we might be a little bit on an island there but there will be at least i don't give or take uh maybe 10 or 15 other people on the island we'll, we'll at least have to put in <laughs> we'll at least have to put in one port okay on the island okay. to, to welcome right. other folks in. Right. We'll one, one port. <laughs> maybe one or maybe all one right. or two breakfast spots you know Maybe a small motel will have to open on the island. Uh, There'll be some folks there. By the way, shout out to Mike Tomlin, who at one point was two and six this season. And and his whole, you know, career streak of never being below 500. It looked like it was done. It was over. At one point, he was uh, two and or three and seven. (laughs) <laughs> it was three and seven after 10 games played. What guy ended up finishing above 500 again. That is, I mean, come on. It's this is so impressive. So yeah, shout out to him because especially given this season, you know, you got, 
quarterback issues all over the place. You know, you got injuries here and there. You're playing in a tough division. Good for Mike Tomlin to still finish above 500, man. That's pretty impressive. Hell yeah, super impressive. And and now we just got to get the Steelers from not losing to actually being in contention, which I do think (laughs) is is press like an offensive coordinator change is going to need to happen. Last thing on Pickens, yeah, I think that, you know, um, I've seen Mina Kimes tweet this several times about George Pickens. It's like, can we get him to make a, can we get like a non, like a a normal George Pickens catch, like just a normal catch or whatever for him? (laughs) It's like, well, it would help if he got open more often. I'm just, I'm saying that, you know, so like he, could he be, uh, and I also, we don't need to do the whole George Pickens. We'll, we'll, we'll re we'll unpack this later on when his RP profile gets up on the site. But I do think that, I do think that like, there's a little bit of like myth making with George Pickens too, where he's been talked about as this guy, like when he, from a freshman, like, Oh, he's the next AJ green. And then like, he gets hurt a bunch, you know, and he takes like that, that doesn't have, it doesn't fully come into, into view there in college football. So like you start to sort of fill in that information, even if it never really happened that, Oh, this is the next AJ green. And then he made a couple of cool catches. Like, okay, there we're, we're there, but like he could still just be a Devonte Parker, Gabe Davis type. I think that's within the range of outcomes, but that's not an official take yet. We're just sort of starting to formulate these things. As we come into 2023. <laughs> there you go. I would, you literally stole the words out of my mouth. I'm like, is this guy like a much better version of Devonte Parker? Um, is that what we're seeing here with Pickens? But you know what? You're going to do the charting and you're going to find all the data and you're going to give us a very clear picture. I am sure on what George Pickens uh, looked like in 2022 and what he could potentially look like in 2023 as well. The one thing I would always say to the listeners out there is that growth is never guaranteed, right? So you just don't know what kind of work ethic some of these guys have. Uh, But I think what, I think what reception perception does really well is tell you, it tells you where they're at right now. Uh, And if that, if that baseline is low, that means they've got a long way to go. If that baseline is high, well, you know, that's that's a pretty good starting point. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So uh, let's see what the work ethic is like for some of these players as well. But anyways, speaking of work ethic, oh, my goodness. I think I think Matt and I have deserved a little bit of time uh, for ourselves here. And we're going to be taking a little bit of, uh, 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 you know, a little bit of a step back from the podcasting here. Uh, but the Reception Perception, the show will now be weekly. It's going to be once a week. And um, we're still kind of formulating when and, you know, the time and the days and all those kind of things. But it'll be once weekly, but we'll stay with you. And by the way, we're still available, obviously, through the Discord uh, and on social media as well. But if you guys would do us a huge favor, like and subscribe, maybe rate the the podcast as well. That would be fun. Anyways, uh, neither here nor there. I hope everyone enjoys the football that they see this weekend, playoff football right around the corner. But for Matt Harmon, I'm James Cohn. We'll see you.